الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان ليوم الدين أما بعد فعن معاذ ابن جبل رضي الله عنه قال قلت يا رسول الله أخبرني بعمل يدخلني الجنة ويباعدني من النار قال لقد سألت عن عظيم وإنه لا يسير على من يسره الله تعالى عليه تعبد الله لا تشرك به شيئا وتقيم الصلاة وتؤت الزكاة وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت ثم قال ألا أدلك على أبواب الخير الصوم جنة والصدقة تطفئ الخطيئة كما يطفئ الماء النار وصلاة الرجل في جوف الليل ثم تلا تتجافى جنوبهم عن المضاجع يدعون ربهم خوفا وطمعا ومما رزقناهم ينفقون فلا تعلم نفس ما أخفي لهم من قرة أعين جزاء بما كانوا يعملون ثم قال ألا أخبرك برأس الأمر وعموده وذروة سنامه قلت بلى يا رسول الله قال رأس الأمر الإسلام عموده الصلاة وذروة سنامه الجهاد ثم قال ألا أخبرك بملاك ذلك كله قلت بلى يا رسول الله فأخذ بلسانه وقال كف عليك هذا قلت يا نبي الله وإنا لمؤاخذون بما نتكلم به فقال ثكلتك أمك وهل يكب الناس في النار على وجوههم أو على مناخرهم إلا حصائد ألسنتهم رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح الحمد لله respected brothers and sisters and honorable listeners we're continuing with the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi and we've reached hadith number 29 from amongst these 40 ahadith. And to understand the objective and uh, the aim of these 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi is basically qawaidul Islam, the fundamental principles of Islam. Those matters and those fundamentals and those principles that is required for every Muslim to know. So that if you were to, for example, take any hadith from this uh, book, from this compilation, it would refer to a major principle and a fundamental matter in the religion. Some of the shuruhat, some of the other commentaries of the Arba'in and Nawawiyah have actually taken this into perspective and they actually have a title for every chapter from the hadith of the 40 hadith. In other words, it actually has mentioned, okay, this is that principle. I personally, this is not what Imam al-Nawawi has done. These are interpolations, what they call, or additions that commentators have added. Very similar is the sahih of Imam Muslim. Imam Muslim has his jami' and Imam Muslim did not put abwab and chapter headings like Imam al-Bukhari. Imam al-Bukhari, when he brought a hadith or a chapter, he put a chapter heading. And that chapter heading actually governs your understanding of, okay, this is the objective of this hadith. Imam Bukhari, in writing his sahih, he has a chapter heading, and then he'll put a hadith under that chapter heading, which then gives this notion or gives this perspective that this is what I am proving with this hadith. So it says, for example, Babu Jawazil or Istihbab or Sunniyatu, yani, 
استخدام الكرسي عند الخطبة. So they say the, the chapter on the permissibility of using a chair in giving a lecture. Actually, there's a chapter in Bukhari that the permissibility of using a chair. So then he'll bring a hadith that there was an Arabi, he came to the masjid and he was urinating in the masjid or something like that. And then the Prophet ﷺ called the Arabi and he said, Oh Arabi, come here. And the Prophet knew that he was a newcomer. So he had shafaqa and he had, you know, respect and kindness. He said, come here. Uh, how you come from very far? Who are you? From where have you come? This is the sunnah of Rasulullah Not just bang, 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 shoot a guy when you see something that he's doing wrong. And this is, for example, a person urinating in the masjid. But look at the adab, look at the akhlaq, and look at the true sunnah of Amr bil Ma'ruf wa Nahyanin Munkar, where the Prophet actually, he, had, he said, bring me a chair. He brought the Arabi. He said, where do you come from? Where is your tribe? Who, when did you accept Islam? Oh, mashallah, I, I, I think I know your father. I know where you come from. I know your clan. Oh, let me tell you some of the things about Islam. And then one by one by one, the Prophet ﷺ was explaining him the detail. But Imam Bukhari, he did not bring this hadith to show or prove Amr bil Maruf or Arabi, or he didn't bring the chapter heading as you know, the story of the, uh, the, the Bedouin. He brought it, the permissibility of using a chair to give lecture. This was the fiqh of Imam Bukhari. Ajib. So the, so the chapter heading governs now how you're going to look at the hadith that is in this. Be, meaning it's only, this is, this is the only, uh, uh, how do you understand? This is the only uh, possibility. This is the only possibility. So when I, when I put in a chapter heading, uh, you know, a sunny day or a beautiful summer vacation. So now there's going to be a thousand things mentioned in that chapter. But you're, you, you know, the, the, you're going to see the, the author. He wants me to think about it as focus it from the vacation perspective. You understand? So all of the ahadith that are mentioned here in the 40 ahadith, there's many, many things. There's many, many things that are mentioned here. And in some of the books, for example, you have a chapter heading, and the chapter heading of this is, Ma yudkhilul jannah. Ma yudkhilul jannah. But then you'll see that there's literally almost 15 things that are mentioned here. But the chapter heading that he's given, or some of the shurrah, this is not Imam al-Nawawi. But what we can understand is that every single hadith in this book gives us a general principle of Islam. So let us go into, uh, and that is why the, the, the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi, every single one of us should read it. We should be acquainted with these hadith. Our children, our family, every Muslim should be acquainted with these things because the Prophet ﷺ came, whatever he came and whatever he taught us, as he mentions in a hadith, he says, everything that will get you to success and get you to Allah Ta'ala, I have already told you of that. And everything that will protect you from destruction and hellfire, I have explained that to you. So nothing the Prophet ﷺ has left out for us. So let us look in, the, in this hadith what is you know, the basic crux of this. We'll first translate it and then we'll go and explain in detail. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu. First and foremost, Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Who was he? He was Hibbu Rasulillah. The Prophet ﷺ told him, Ya Mu'adh, wallahi inni la'uhibbuk. 
O Mu'adh, by Allah, Wallahi, inni la uhibbuk. Verily, I, I, I love you, O Messenger, uh, O, o Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Point number one. Secondly, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, a'lamun nasi bil halali wal haram. He was the most knowledgeable after the Khulafai Rashidin in the matter of halal and haram. In the matter of halal and haram, he was the most knowledgeable. And he was also very, very young. And he was somebody that the Prophet actually selected him to go and give da'wah to the people of Yemen. It was Abu Musa Ash'ari, Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, and Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal. These were the three companions that were actually sent to Yemen as delegates to convey Islam to them. And nobody can be sent as a delegate except the one who is the most representing in the most beautiful way, the most knowledgeable, the most wise, the most brave, the most courageous, the most handsome. These were the ones that were chosen. Abu Musa Ashari, he was the Qari of this Ummah. He was the Qari of this Ummah. The Prophet said, Oh Abu Musa, لَقَدْ أُوْتِيْتَ مِزْمَارًا مِنْ مَزَامِيرِ آلِ دَاوُدْ Oh, oh Abu Musa Ashari, you have been given from the voices of the voice of the family of Dawood That when Dawood would, would, would recite the Torah, then you birds and, and, and the echo of it would even echo in the mountains and the birds and the animals would surround him. That's how beautiful of a voice he had. And the Prophet said, Oh Abu Musa Ash'ari, you have been given this talent. You've been given this gift of a beautiful voice. And he was the Qari of this Ummah, Abu Musa Ash'ari. One night, the Prophet was passing by the house of Abu Musa Ash'ari. And he said, Oh Abu Musa, do you know that when I was passing by your house last night, I was listening and I just wanted to listen and listen and listen and not even leave from there. He said, Ya Rasulullah, if I knew that you were there, I would have read it even more. I would have even made it more beautiful for you, O Messenger of Allah, if I knew that you were listening to me. Imagine, the one who the Prophet had shawq ila istima'ihi, to listen to his Qur'an. So Abu Musa Ashari, Mu'adh ibn Jabal and Sayyidina Ali, what can you say about Sayyidina Ali, right? He was Babu Madinat al-Ilm. He was the door of the city of knowledge, Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib. So these, you can see that these were the Arakeen, the Arakeen al-Ilm, wal-Fadl, wal-Hikmah, the pillars of knowledge, of wisdom, of fiqh. And he was the one that the Prophet, and, and what did the Prophet say to Mu'adh ibn Jabal? The Prophet was holding the reins of the camel of Mu'adh or the horse and he was bringing him out to Medina to send him off and dispatch him and it was to Abu Musa and Mu'adh that he said Yassira wa la tu'assira Bashira wa la tunaffira Make it easy for the people and don't make it hard for them Give them glad tidings and give them hope and don't make them fearful Don't threaten people Right? So subhanAllah when the Prophet is dispatching, he's giving the usul of da'wah. He's giving us the usul of amr bil ma'roof wa nahyanin munkar. Yassira wa la tu'assira. Yani you two. Yassira antuma. Yani Abu Musa wa Mu'adh. Yassira wa la tu'assira. Oh Abu Musa, oh Mu'adh, when you're going to go, these people are new to Islam. They don't know. You don't know sometimes who you're talking to. Is he new to Islam? Is he in a, what situation he's in? So make it easy upon the people and don't make it hard upon them. Bashira wala tunaffira. Give people glad tidings. Make people happy that subhanAllah, you know, I, I'm, 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 I feel so good to be a Muslim. And I feel so good that I pray. And I feel so good that I, you know, this is, 
بشرة giving بشارة بشارة يعني give people good news give people happiness make people feel good ولا تنفرة and don't make people run away don't give people نفرة Subhanallah how beautiful and this advice was given to Mu'adh ibn Jabal and Abu Musa Ash'ari and while the Prophet was giving this advice he was holding on to the reins of the horse of Mu'adh and while Mu'adh is walking with the Prophet he said oh Mu'adh perhaps when you come back from Yemen you will not see me but you will see my grave Subhanallah there Sayyidina Mu'adh was crying so much that he could not even withhold himself and he says to him he says to him that fear Allah Azza wa Jal wherever you may be and he said in this hadith it's narrated in Mishkatul Masabih he said to him that that the closest people to me the closest people to me أَقْرَبُ النَّاسِ إِلَيْهِ or أَحَبُّ النَّاسِ إِلَيْهِ الْمُتَّقُونَ مَنْ كَانُوا وَحَيْثُ كَانُوا that the closest people to me, Al-Muttaqoon, they are the pious ones, they are the ones who have the consciousness and the fear of Allah. Man kanu kanu. In other words, O oh, Mu'adh, I know I'm sending you away from me. This is, this is the effort, uh, this is Islam, this is dunya. This is the effort of deen. And for the sake of deen, we have to sacrifice. And I'm sending you out for da'wah fi sabilillah. You are going fi sabilillah, but remember, you will still be close to me. Because the closest to me are the ones who have taqwa and they are constantly aware of Allah Azza wa Jal. Man kanu wa kanu. No matter who they be and no matter where they are. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu died. I, the exact uh, time and exact date of when he passed away is not present to me right now. But he died in the plague of Amwas. In the Sham where thousands of actually Sahaba عنهم, and from the Tabi'een who had settled in that area of Sham, there was a plague that afflicted that area. Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal was amongst those that him and his family died from this plague and they became shaheed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, uh, this understanding, who is the narrator, remember, Knowing the narrator gives us some clues to the subject of the hadith. You can see how much the Prophet opened up with Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal because he knew he was from the ulama and the a'imma of this ummah. And how much in this hadith you'll see the Prophet opens up with him and the Prophet is giving him all the various different because he just asked one thing but the Prophet gave him four, five, six bonus uh, things along with it. And the reason behind that is because Mu'adh ibn Jabal, number one, was beloved to him. And when somebody's beloved to you, you open up with them. And when you know that this person can handle what I'm saying, you'll see that some Arabis, some Bedouins will come to the Prophet. The Prophet will tell him, you know, just pray your five daily prayers, go. You know? He said a Bedouin came out of nowhere and he, nobody had ever seen him. And, you know, he was, wasn't from the Ma'rufin. It wasn't from those, you know, who are, uh, people were so acquainted with. He said, Ya Rasulullah, tell me what I need to do to go to Jannah. Don't tell me anything more and nothing less. He said, okay, pray your five daily prayers, fast in the month of Ramadan, give your zakat and do the hajj. He said, khalas, la azidu ala hadha wa la anqus. I'm not going to do more than this and I'm not going to do less than this. Bas, that was it. 
So remember, one of the things about hadith is when you see the hadith, there is a lot of context behind it. Remember, hadith is like a picture that you take. It's just a glimpse. And it can't explain every single thing about it. That is why we, have, we need the shuruhat. That is why we need the commentaries. That is why we need other, you know, supplementary evidence in other books of hadith. And al-hadithu yufassiru ba'duhu ba'dan. One hadith explains that something that, you know, in this the wording is a little bit more, you know, brief. And in another hadith, it'll be more lengthier, you know, because one narrators they narrate more for example everybody's sitting here i will say one word this person will narrate it differently he'll narrate it differently he'll give more detail he'll give more less detail this other person will say it was very nice i forgot what he said and then this another person will just completely you know i said alligator and he'll say dinosaur you know so there's in 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 one in one uh, uh, gathering you can see how many outcomes and that is why when we say the narrator, this is why the narrators are important. This is why every hadith begins with An Abi Hurairata, An Mu'adh ibn Jabal, An Abi Bakr ibn Siddiq, An Umar ibn Khattab, An Aishata. Why is this important? Because this gives us a glimpse, right, into the hadith, into kind of the subject matter. When you know the life of the narrator, it can give you kind of clues and secrets inside of even understanding the hadith. Because you remember, the fuqaha and the ulama, the jurists, they're like investigators, they're detectives. I give you a picture, and you have to make a decision. And this is, I want everybody to understand, this is why uh, we say, why does these scholars, one thing guy says one thing, and Shafi'i and Hanafi, man, what is all of this? What this is, is they're all detectives. And they have these album they have this album of pictures, but these pictures are in words. And in that album, there'll be a picture that says, for example, I saw the Prophet ﷺ pray, and he prayed like this. So somebody took a picture, and now the Hanafi detective has that picture. The Shafi'i detective has that picture. The Maliki detective has that picture, right? The Hanbali detective has that picture. So each one of them say, well, I have 15 other pictures along with this. From this angle, and from that angle, and from that angle, and from that. Oh, okay, so that picture was not actually that. It was actually, you know, because you know, you'll see that you, you'll see a picture from one angle. It will look like, you know, maybe somebody's kissing somebody. Astaghfirullah. You know, look at, he's kissing. And then you look at from the other angle, hey, he's not actually kissing the person. He's like, you know, trying to go get his water. He just bent down to go get something, and then from that, do you get my point? So understand that in a hadith, having one picture does not do justice. That is why you have this multiple perspectives. Imam Malik, first, for example, there'll be a hadith, but Imam Malik says, but I know this person who narrated it was there. And he narrated this, that this is what it meant. So he has a... So you guys, it's very, very important to know the nature of differences. And don't consider something that is a blessing that you got all these detectives and they're trying to get down to the bottom of, to the crux of, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of what this is all about. We should honor those detectives. That they're trying to solve this crime or they're trying to solve this, this beauty. 
not the crime. I mean, I was, I was given that example. But here in regards to what we're talking about, it's a very beautiful thing that they're trying to like, you know, like, art, you, know, like you have artists and, you know, they, 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 they painted a beautiful portrait and then you see they're standing like this. I think it's talking about the love that's in his heart. He must have loved somebody and that's why he made a flower. You know, each one of them are st standing in front of the, the artwork and then the art, you know, uh, critics, the art critics, each one of them is giving their opinion. But not everybody is a art critic. So you can't stand there, oh, I just see a bunch of colors, man. I don't know what's going on here, you know. Somebody might see a Pablo Picasso with a nose behind the head, and he's like, what the heck? I could draw better than that. You know, my, 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 my little nephew can draw better than this guy. What the he? But that's a Pablo Picasso. It's $2 million. You guys understand what I'm saying? So you're not, if you're not a Hadith scholar, you look at it and says, oh, this Hadith, I don't know what, what, is, what is he talking about, what's going on? And a lot of people are becoming like that. An art dealer will look at a Picasso, and he'll be like, you know, they're debating and gambling on, you know, we got to get this, and this is two million and this is three million and you got you know the king of saudi now you know he's like putting money on the picasso and he put like 30 million on the picture of jesus or something you guys heard about that so my point is like there's a there's this 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 value that only the people of value will know these ahadith each one is a picture that was preserved through centuries by the life and sweat and blood and tears and effort and travels of people. Wallahi, these hadith are more valuable than those Picassos. What is the Picasso? You can't even use that name in this, in this what we're talking about. But I'm just, to give you an under, uh, understanding, these are glimpses. And it is now the job of the fuqaha, the job of the ulama, to now investigate and tell you what's behind this picture. What's behind this story. Understand this, people aren't going to explain things like this to you. Now you understand really the detail of what is a hadith, how hadith works. Each one of them is a picture. So when you read a hadith in Bukhari, they'll be like, ah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. See, that sheikh is not doing it like this. What are you talking about? Right? Maybe he has an album that you haven't even seen. You've seen one picture of the bride, he has the whole wedding album. You know what I mean? Yeah, you see one picture, he has the whole wedding album. What are you talking about? So when somebody criticizes Abu Hanifa, that's exactly what they're doing. They say, oh, see, I have this hadith from Bukhari. Yeah, he has the whole album. He had the whole album in front of him. That's why he did not accept that picture. And this is, a, I'm, I'm, I'm clarifying so we understand how hadith works and how it's not a simple matter and how every single one of the Mashallah, a'imma, mujtahidun, they're honorable to us. Whether they're shawafir, whether they're malikiya or hanbaliya or hanafiya, every single one of them are honorable in our sight. And each one of them, they put their full effort to understand what is being captured in this story. What is being captured in this story. May Allah give us the tawfiq to understand this very important point. So Mu'adh radiallahu anhu says, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, أخبرني بعمل يدخلني الجنة ويباعدني من النار. Look at the faqaha and look at the intellect and the wisdom in just the question. Because you can understand the questioner from the type of question he asks. Sayyidina Mu'adh says, 
O Messenger of Allah, tell me about an action that will enter me into paradise. That will enter me into paradise and that will distance me from the hellfire. There's so much faqaha in this. And that is why how the Prophet now praises him, لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ عَنْ عَظِيمٍ لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ عَنْ عَظِيمٍ O Mu'adh ibn Jabal, congratulations. What a beautiful thing. An, 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 an amazing thing you're asking about. A profound thing you're asking about. This is something amazing. Radiallahu anhum. That they asked such things that it benefited us and will benefit the people till the day of judgment. Such a question that now, well, of course I want to know that. What will enter me into paradise and what will distance me from the hellfire? With that being said, brother, I just want to stop there. At every juncture, I'm going to stop and I'm going to explain each point of this. Number one is we should ask good questions. You understand? We should ask proper questions. We should ask good questions. Asking of good questions, right? This is, the, it, it, this is what will, subhanAllah, guide us to that which is best. The better the question, the more it will benefit you and the more it will benefit, you know, all the students and the people who are... So, this is a very important thing. Always ask good questions, right? And here, Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal, very thought out, you know, this a very important point. What will enter me into paradise? And what will distance me from the hellfire? And even the Prophet Sallallahu is saying, لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ عَنْ عَظِيمٍ You have asked about something very, very great. I want to stop at this point right here and mention that a major problem that we have in, modern, in the modern world, especially amongst the youth, especially now modern, is people don't believe in a Jannah anymore. People don't strive for paradise. You know, people used to always hear them, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, I want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. People used to talk about heaven. Now, what is happening, what, what, what is going on, that generally, you see, amongst Christian, amongst Muslim, amongst, people are not really that much, you know, there's not this desire for Jannah. And what's the, what's the proof that there's no desire for Jannah? We want it all here. Everything we want it here. This is, this is the proof of the, the matter. Before, it was enough for people that I am doing this. What is, what, what is your objective? I want Jannah. Now, if a person were to talk about Jannah, it's like you're telling people fairy tales. You're telling people fables. You're telling people fairy tales. But this does something to your psyche when you only seek Jannah and when you have a desire to go Jannah because this will make all of the difficulties of this life fade away. You get a sickness or you go through problems in this life or you go through difficulty in this life. What do you remind yourself? Alhamdulillah, I have Jannah to look forward to. Many brothers and sisters, whether it be in Palestine, whether it be in Afghanistan, whether it be in Africa, whether it be in Muslim, in, 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 you know, in third world Muslim countries where the iman of people is still strong, they say, you know, our meeting will be in Jannah. I lost my father. I lost my daughter. This bomb came and hit and all my, you know, children, inshallah, Jannah. That's all they say, inshallah, Jannah. That Jannah is their hope. That Jannah is their, is their aspiration. So this is, this is subhanallah, you know, how did the Futuhat take place? How did the conquests take place? 
How did from Andalusia all the way to China, the world was Muslim? Out of shawq lil jannah. You send people, give them millions of dollars to go and fight and give their life. People are not going to give their life for anything. The shawq of jannah makes all the difficulties of this life become easy. Why? It's because we realize that there is no peace actually in this world. There is actually no peace in this world except those moments and those lahavat, those, those minutes, those moments, those hours that we spend in the obedience of Allah and in doing good and in being righteous and a'mal salihah. This is what brings about peace in the good that we do in this world. Isn't it? When people are generous and they're giving to others, they feel this peace. When they're doing righteous acts, they feel peace. Why is it that people go and they commit atrocities overseas when they're in the army and they come back and they can't sleep at night? And they're suicidal and they have PTSD because they have committed acts that, that does not bring peace. There's no, so peace is only in those actions related to Jannah because Jannah is the abode of peace. And when you do the actions that are connected with the abode of peace, you will gain peace. You understand? Allah Azza wa Jal says, Wallahu yad'u ila daris salam. Wallahu yad'u ila daris salam. Jannah is darus salam. Do you know what is the name of paradise? The abode of peace. It's the abode where there will be no sickness. There will be no old age. There will be no suffering. There will be no hardships. There will be no intense heat. لا يرون فيها شمسا ولا زمهريرا there will be no intense cold or heat. There will be no need for an AC or for a heater. All of this pain and all of this suffering will not be there. So when you know that there is such a place, no matter who it is, all those who believe in a heaven, it makes all the difficulties of this life even more easier. It makes all the hardships of this life bearable. It makes all the tribulations tolerable. And when you don't have that, what happens? Your complaints increase. You have no aspiration. You're always uh, uh, unfulfilled. You're always, you know, because this, this is it. That's all I got. Right? That's all I got. YOLO, brother. YOLO. You only live once. This is paradise right here. Everything you got, put it all into this. And in reality, this is such a deception. And this is an amazing thing. Look at the way that people who believe in heaven or paradise, how do they live? What is their character? What is their akhlaq? What is their attitude to this world? Whereas you think, okay, if there's people who believe in, 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 in paradise, okay, maybe they're completely like, you know, wacko. They are the most people who can tolerate the most with the most excellent character and the most generous and the most kind and the most patient because when you know you're gonna get a great reward that is when you're gonna be patient but when you want it all now give it to me now what's wrong with this darn internet I was I always tell the story this was an experience for me I was on the plane I was going to East Coast somewhere or Chicago and you know there was this guy you know suited up and you know he's like that cat in the meme you know Dr. Sam? He was like that, with the glasses and And something was happening that, what's wrong with this effing Wi-Fi? What's up with this Wi-Fi? I play from, I don't know, much from first class, and you could hear him like going crazy because, you know, the Wi-Fi was too slow. And I'm like, oh my God, look at this guy. This is a monster. This is a nightmare. 
everything has to be now. Why is my coffee? I told you 2%. Why did you give me half and half? You know? Where's my cinnamon sprinkles on my Starbucks? I'm going to sue your company because he didn't get it. Allahu Akbar. This Jannah here. Because this is Jannah here. Everything has to be. Oh, Zalim. No matter how much you make your, no matter how much you make this world your Jannah, it will not become Jannah. No matter how much you strive with all your billions to do that. I mean, you know, Mike Tyson, he was telling a story and he had, he's an example of, you know, having millions. And he told me one of the changing points in his life was when his, you know, his little daughter running on the treadmill, she fell and she choked to death. And he, he, one of the things he said is, you know, you think you have it all and you think everything is in, in the tips of your fingers. But all my millions and billions will never bring my daughter back. You know, and this is a, this is a, a very, very important thing for us to understand. I think the youth and the, the, and the youngsters of today have forgotten that there's a heaven. We forget that there's a Jannah and what we should have a shawq for. And to know this, Allahu yad'u ila daris salam. Allah Himself calls us to darus salam. With that being said, I want to point out one of the jahalat and ignorances of the Sufiya. We respect the Ahlul Tasawwuf and the Sufiya al Haqq, but there is a jahalat that they have, an ignorance that they have. We don't worship Allah for Jannah. We don't worship Allah Ta'ala for Jannah. We worship Allah for Allah. So I ask that, that zalim, that jahil, I will say, will you worship Allah for what He calls you to worship Him for? What if He demands that from you? Allah yad'u ila daris salam. Allah yad'uk. Abuka yad'uka ila hadha. Wa anta taqool, ana la urid. Allah urid. This is my gift. Here's my gift. I give you this flower. Oh, I don't want this flower. And you slap the flower out of his hand. He said, I want you. I said, yes, but this is my gift. You slap my gift. You slap me. Allah Azza wa Jal's gift is Jannah. He's calling us to Jannah. And let me tell you, ayyuha Sufi, anta la talqa Allah illa fil Jannah. Fa'ina tadhab. Where are you going? The, the mulaqat of Allah is in Jannah. The maqam of Allah's rida is Jannah. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are also from amongst those who love the Ahlul Safa. We also love Ahlul Safa. But there are certain ignorances that have to be called out that perfection and Kamal is wanting what the Beloved wants. Kamal and perfection is wanting what the Beloved wants. And there's a poem in Farsi that says this. Tama is greed, right? Greed, to be greedy for something. If Sultan Din, yani if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from me tama' and atma' ila al-jannah, Allah yuridu hadha minni and atma' ila al-jannah, wa ashtaq ila al-jannah, Allah yatlub thalaka minni. Then I will throw dust upon my qina'ah. When Allah wants this tama from me, when Allah wants this greed from me to be greedy and ashtaq ilal jannah, He wants me to want paradise. He wants me to be desirous of paradise. Then I will throw dust upon my 
contentment that, no, 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 I don't want it. I throw dust on it because that's what my mawla wants from me. My master wants that from me, that I should want Jannah. So I, I, I will put away, aside what I want for what Allah wants. خَلَقَ الْجَنَّةَ بِيَدِهِ كَمَا يَلِيقُ بِجَلَالِ اللَّهِ وَجَمَالِهِ Allah created Firdaus al-A'la biyadihi. Imagine somebody tells you, I, I made this for you with my own hands. I don't want that. I want you. What, what, what are you talking about? قِمَّةُ الْجَهَلِ صَنَعْتُ هَذَا لَكَ بِيَدِهِ وَأَنْتَ تَقُولَ لَا أُرِيدُ ذَلِكَ أَنَا أُرِيدُكَ What does this mean? Do you see what I'm saying? I don't, want, I don't want that, I want you. So this is a very important point in this. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum كانت الصحابة رضي الله عنهم يشتاقون إلى الجنة. The Prophet صلى كان اللهم إني أسألك الجنة وما قرب إليها من قول وعمل وأعوذ بك من النار وما قرب إليها من قول وعمل. Oh Allah, I ask of you Jannah. Anyways, this is a very very important point to understand. There are certain beliefs that affect people's actions. There are certain beliefs that affect people's attitudes. The belief in Jannah, the belief in hell, the belief in these things, it actually changes a person's character and it changes a person's attitude. That I know that there is a Jannah in which Allah Ta'ala will reward me. That's okay. I will tolerate all the things that somebody might not say thank you to me. Somebody might not send me a thank you letter. Somebody's not going to give me a plaque from the masjid. Thank you for your donation. None of these things don't, don't, don't interest me. Jannah, what is this? Why, why, what, what is your plaque that's going to turn into plaque? You know? What is your plaque that's going to turn into turab in the, in the grave? What is this? Give me a, the, 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 the castles in Jannah. This is what I want. Then you get the attitude. You don't have expectation from people. We feed the poor for seeking Allah, for seeking Jannah. We don't want thanks. We don't want reward because our reward is, is, is in Jannah with Allah Azza wa Subhanallah. This was a very simple, common thing. This was a very simple and common thing. But now it's become like we're talking about philosophies and, and diplomacies and, 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 and God knows what other politics and all this other stuff. And it's, it's the simple things that rectify a person's character. This brings ikhlas. Just the aqidah of Jannah. Just your belief in paradise and your belief in hell rectifies your sincerity. And this falls in the ghayb. This falls into the ghayb where it says, Those people who believe in Allah in the ghayb. Yani there's this unseen blessing that khashya, that fear comes about when you know there is something in the ghayb. There's a reward in the ghayb or there's a punishment in the ghayb. Allah give us the understanding. لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ عَنْ عَظِيمٍ O Mu'adh, you have asked about something that is profound. وَإِنَّهُ لَيَسِيرٌ عَلَى مَنْ يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهِ However, it is only easy for the one who Allah makes it easy for him. Now, this tells us a, a, an important thing. Here, the Prophet is talking about, or Mu'adh ibn Jabal is talking about actions. Doing what will get us to paradise. And avoiding what will distance us from 
hellfire, right? It's very difficult. But look at what the Prophet ﷺ is premising. Now, everything that he says, everything that the Prophet ﷺ is about to say, he, he proceeds that with this statement. And this is easy for the one who Allah makes it easy for him. In other words, we cannot do any action and we cannot stay away from any sin if it isn't for the tawfiq and the power that is invested into us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is from Allah's tawfiq. It is from Allah's enablement that we can do it. So do not think that this to be very difficult. Everything is easy when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, in doing this, our effort is not enough. And this is what sometimes when we look at the deen, oh my God, this is so difficult. How can I do this and how can I do that? And how can I wear hijab? And how can I pray five times a day? You know, these things we think, No, your strength comes from Allah. It doesn't come from you. Wallahi, brothers and sisters, when we look at ourselves, Wallahi, we are da'if. We are not able, we're not capable of anything. We're not capable of taking one step Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to show us our weakness. When my son became sick, when my son went through his, you know, his sickness and his, his chemotherapy and all that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed us, our whole family and those people connected to us, that at every step of the way, wallahi, you need strength. Sometimes I say, you know, he would be in pain, and I would tell my son, my dear son, make dhikr of Allah azawajal. Make dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal. You know what he would tell me? He said, Baba, I can't, I'm so tired, I can't move my lips. But I make dhikr in my heart. Wallahi, wallahi al-Azim. I said, Subhanallah, this is the most superior dhikr, my son. I would tell him, say Allah's name. Don't be impatient and, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Just say, Subhanallah. Say, Allahu Akbar. Say, La ilaha illallah. Say, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Don't moan and scream. Rather, with your moaning and with your letting out your, your grief, say Allah's name. And he says, Baba, I just don't have the strength to do that, but I do it with my heart. I said, you do it with your heart, that is more superior than any dhikr. Subhanallah. You see that a person, Allah Ta'ala can take away the ability for a person to even say Allah. Even take away your ability to say Subhanallah. We've seen it. A young 15-year-old boy, they say a thousand things. They say 20,000 things. But when Allah takes away the shima, takes away the, 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 the strength, even that you will not be able to say. But that is why, subhanallah, right? The greatest amal is niyyah. Subhanallah. That a person's tongue can be wagging a thousand la ilaha illallahs, but in his heart is empty. None of that wagging means anything. If it's not with dhikr. Dhikr means dhikr. Dhikr means remembering. If you're forgetting, what's the, what does that mean that you're moving your tongue? So, إِنَّهُ لَيَسِيرُنَ عَلَى مَنْ يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ It is easy for the one who Allah makes it easy for him. And that's why don't become overwhelmed. In anything, say, Ya Allah, give me the tawfiq. When you see... When you see things from the perspective of Allah investing the strength upon you, then people can move mountains. Superpowers were toppled down by people with sticks and, 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 and uh, you know, muskets and sticks and, you know, superpowers were toppled by people with, you know, chablaks, you know, 
sandals in, 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 in mountains. You know, It's easy for, for, for the one who Allah makes it easy for him. Ta'budullah. Number one that Allah, that Prophet mentioned, that will enter you into paradise and distance you from the hellfire. Worship Allah and ascribe no partners to Him. This is number one on the list. Worship Allah and ascribe no partners to Him. Wa salah and establish the prayer. So, what's the difference between ta'budullah wa tuqimus salah? Same thing. But ta'budullah here means al ubudiyyah submit to Allah. Submit to Allah, believe in Him, submit your heart to Him, ascribing no partners to Him. And the highest manifestation of this submission is tuqimus salah. Because somebody might say, it says, ta'budullah la tushriku bihi shay'a wa tuqimus salah. Same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Ta'budullah la tushriku bihi shay'an. Submit yourself to Him, not ascribing anything to Him. And the greatest manifestation of that, wa tuqimus salah. The greatest manifestation of ibadah, is establishing the prayer. zakat, And that you give the zakat. وَتَصُومُ Ramadan, And that you fast the month of Ramadan. وَتَحُجُّ bayt, And that you make the pilgrimage of Baytullah. You make the hajj. So brothers and sisters, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's regimen. This is the regimen for every Muslim. Al-Aqal. Al-Aqal. This is the regimen for every Muslim. Submit to him with your whole heart and soul, not ascribing any partners to him. That's number one. Establish the prayer. Give the charity if it's due upon you. Right? Fast Ramadan if it's fard upon you. Do the Hajj if you're financially capable. This is Al-Aqal. And as is mentioned in another hadith, if you don't do this, then there is no promise from Allah Azza wa Allah has made an ahad. There's a very beautiful hadith. Allah has made an ahad. Allah has a covenant with his slaves that established the five daily prayers and I guarantee you Jannah. And for the one who does not establish the five daily prayers, then I have no covenant with him. I have no promise for him. In insha'a ghafara wa insha'a azaba. Insha'a ghafara wa insha'a azaba. If Allah wants, he will punish him. If Allah wants, he will forgive him. But the one who establishes the prayer, insha'Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah has made an ahad, yudkhiluhu al-jannah, insha'Allah. Yani, what else could you ask? So let's not, you know, this is one of those things, don't be, ever be lax in your prayer. This is the advice that I give to all my brothers and sisters. We all struggle. We all go up. We all have ups and downs. We all get depressed. We all lose. We all fall. We all slip. Right? But, Never give up your prayer. Wallahi al-Azim, I tell you. If you hold on, Abra, why are you sleeping? This is like subhanAllah, I'm telling you about Jannah. Somebody give him the here. What are you doing? Drink that. Slap it on your face. So you don't talk. I'm gonna slap you too, right? I can slap it on his face too. And I didn't say literally. Now you're spilling all over the masjid. Drink the water. He's been sleeping the whole time. I have to say something. People think like I'm, a, I'm the YouTube, uh, uh, you know, the YouTube screen? Like you could just like sit with your feet up and sleep and have your coffee and a pina colada and everything. Well, you know, and, and, and you know, mashallah, I'm not going to even notice. I notice, I notice every small thing. Even somebody's looking at his clock. He said, is this, is he going to go longer? 
because I don't know if Sheikh knows 15 minutes that gives us 10 minutes is Adhan time. He's calculating the whole thing right now in his mind. He's not listening to a single thing I'm saying. He's calculating the Salah, Fajr, everything. Okay, Khair. Don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you ample time. I'm going to give ample time for everybody. See how I got distracted by people sleeping? What was I saying? Huh? All of us have ups and downs. That's what I was saying. All of us have ups and downs. All of us become weak. All of us slip. All of us, you know, we, we lag behind. But no matter what, keep the salah. Shaitan will tell you, oh, you know, you were just here or you were just there or you just, you know, you were doing this or you were doing that just a minute ago. But don't you know that the salat is a purification? Don't you know that the salat is a purification? Shaitan will tell you, oh, look at what you just did right now. You have face to go and stand for the salat? But that's like saying, oh, look at you just mowed the lawn and you're all sweaty. Are you going to take a shower now, huh? Now you're going to take a shower. But that's what shower is for, to get, to get, wash away the sweat and wash away the grime and wash away the dirt. The Prophet gave the example of salat that if, what do you think if one of you had a river flowing in the, subhanAllah, today we have showers, we have rivers flowing in every house, maybe two rivers, two bed, two, two bath, two, right, two bedrooms, two bath. We have two rivers in every single house. The Prophet said, what do you think if one of you had a river flowing in the front of his door and he would take a bath in it and, you know, make ghusl in it five times a day? Would there be any daran? Would there be any filth left and grime left on his body? There will be no daran. There will be no grime or dirt left on his body. He said, So don't say this. Don't let shaitan fool you. Oh, I was doing this and I had a smoke and I had a high with somebody and I had a low with somebody. You know? And, and you know, I can't go to prayer. But the prayer is what will... The good deeds wipe away the bad deeds. Shaitan doesn't want your bad deeds to be wiped away. So he's telling you, don't pray. Oh, you have no face to pray. Forget about the face. Nobody has a face to stand in front of Allah. Who has face? None of us have face. Allah forgive us. Allah forgive our shortcomings and overlook us. Nobody has face to stand in front of Allah Azza wa But... This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of His mercy has given this salah as a gift. And what does He say? Subhanallah. There's a story behind this. One Sahabi came to the Prophet. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I've committed such a sin. I want you to purify me. I have done such a bad thing. It's, it's unspeakable. He said, Okay, okay. We just pray the salat now and then we can talk after. Let's pray the salat now and then we can talk about it after. So he performed the salat with the Prophet and they finished the prayer and he said, who was the person who was asking something? He said, me, Ya Rasulullah. He said, come over here. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I, I did something. I want you to establish the had on me. Establish the had on me. Yani, give me the punishment for what I've done. So he said, what did you do? He said, there was an old friend, girl that I knew and you know, I was talking to her and then I just kissed her. Asabtu. He says, I fell into a kiss. He said, did you just pray with me right now? Did you just pray with us right now? 
He said, yes. He said, then Allah has forgiven your sin. And he read the whole ayah. How beautiful is the Quran? How beautiful is the Quran? And establish the prayer at the two corners of the day and parts of the night. Verily, the good deeds wipe away the bad deeds. This is a reminder for those who will take heed. He said, Ya Rasulullah, is this only for me? Or for the entire ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad? He said, this is for the entire ummah. Allahu Akbar. Don't allow shaitan to make you disconnect from salah. Salah is the greatest blessing that he has given you. No matter what you might have. Salah is, as long as you hold on to that, inshallah your iman will be intact. The first I think, you know, we hear about, oh, you know, uh, you know brothers and sisters, they're, they're, they're struggling with their faith and they're doubting their iman and the iman is weak and I'm having, you know, I'm having doubts about Islam. And it starts with abandoning the salah. It starts with abandoning the salah. As long as a person keeps salah, as long as a person establishes the prayer, there is, do you know what the meaning of salat is? What does salah even mean? Silah. As-salatu silatun bir-rahman. As-salatu sila. Sila, it's a connection, it's a link. This is your link. As long as you're linked to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no matter what, never give up your prayer. Doesn't matter. You say, oh, I don't have no face, I just did this. Who has face? Allah has given this to us to wa wash away our dirt. Even if you got dirt, no problem. When you make wudu, that's half of the dirt is already washed away. Now you're ready. If you feel embarrassed, I got all this dirt on me. I got all this sin on me. Dirt in the, in the meaning, I did this dirt, I did this sin. When you commit that, when you do that wudu, as we read in the hadith last night, that when a person washes his face, then all the sins that a person committed with his eyes drips with the water. Right? A person when he makes, he washes his face, all of the sins that he committed with his eyes drips with the water with the last drop of water. A person washes his arms, all the sins he committed with his arms drop off with the water or with the last drop of water and with the feet the same. And then he stands Allah Azza wa Jal, naqiyya min al-dhunub. Already. And now in the salat, subhanAllah, you're standing, then it gives you, purifies you completely. You know sometimes when your clothes are too dirty, then you got a double wash. You know, you got two cycle. This is what happened. You got two cycles of purification. One is the wudu, and then one is when you're standing, then you're completely, all the, all the blemishes and all the, the stains are washed away. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, He didn't stop there. For other companions who are Bedouins, he told them, just do the five daily prayers and fast. And give the, you know, and do the hajj and la azidu ala hada wa la anqus. I'm not going to do more than this and I'm not going to add anything. But here, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Mu'ad ibn Jabal, he says, and he gives him more, should I not indicate, should I not guide you to all the gateways of good? Meaning, these actions, when you do it, you're entering, these are gateways. You know, they call gateway sins and gateway 
actions, like a person who starts smoking cigarettes, that's a gateway. You start drinking alcohol, that's a gateway. It opens up the door that makes other things easier. It makes other things just easier, right? So here, when the Prophet says, he's telling us about actions that will make other actions easier. Subhanallah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he starts with what? Fasting is a shield. I don't even need to explain this because in the month of Ramadan, we went into it in detail. How fasting opens up. The month of Ramadan opened up every khair. When you're able to fast, you have such discipline, you could do anything. Ramadan and fasting gives you the ability and the discipline and the taqwa and the self-restraint to be able to do any act of khair. I'm not even going to go into the details because mashallah, we went into the detail about that already many, many times. So as-sawmu jannah, fasting is a shield from prayer. And what does it do? It will open up all the other actions that require self-discipline and self-restraint. Right? If a person doesn't have discipline, they can't do nothing. If a person doesn't have sabr and discipline, they can't go to work, they can't keep a job, they can't get a degree. You need a certain amount of self-restraint and discipline and sabr and patience and, 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 and timing and management to do these things. And fasting teaches you that يعني, in the best manner. And charity, it extinguishes the sins just like water extinguishes fire. So when you're giving charity, what are you doing? You're actually extinguishing your sins just like the water extinguishes fire. And it's another interesting thing because charity also is a gateway action. With charity, so many things are opened up, right? Those people who have charitable foundations, for example, we know Al-Misbah, Sheikh Yasir has Al-Misbah in Sacramento. It's a charitable foundation. And it started with just distributing sadaqat to Muslim families. What happened now? He had COVID relief program. Subhanallah. Even the governor of California made mention of the Muslim community, yani Al-Misbah and Sheikh Yasir, that it started with just giving charity to local people. Give charity to this person, give charity to this Muslim. We just didn't know where to give our zakah. And we wanted to give zakah to local community. It just started with Muslims. But it opened up and there were families that lost jobs during COVID. There was people that literally, I mean, they couldn't, you know, afford rent. They couldn't, they didn't have food. They literally, you know, were struggling. And subhanAllah, this, yani, the, the doors that opened, that you had a literal drive through thousands of cars, cars, thousands of cars were coming, and it was a drive through COVID relief program run by Al Misbah. And the mention of this was made by who? The mention of this was made, subhanAllah, by the governor. Governor Newsom said, we're one of the beautiful examples of proper citizens in our society is the Muslim community of Sacramento and special mention, you know, special shout out to Sheikh Yasir, Allah reward him but my point is, charity opens up the door to hundreds of things, thousands of other things, and his Al-Misbah also has for example, youth program, how to help the youth, getting off of the streets 
and people that are you know in, in, in addictions and in drugs and in the, and it just and the, and it on and on and on because charity is not just giving money to the hand of a person but it's welfare it's caring about other human beings this opens up a thousand doors and that's why these words of the prophet sallallahu we don't really we look at everything shallow we look at everything face value but if you see abwab al khair this is the gateway you start doing this and you're going to see things change you see yourself transform you became a person who now cares about other human beings it's not no longer about okay i'm going to give this person a dollar i care about your condition i care about not only muslims about non-muslims i care about my community i care about everybody around me this is the meaning of abwab al khair and what does that do this this wipes away the the fire of your sins it's like throwing water and when you're giving charity let me tell you one thing sometimes your charity hits the pocket right charity hits your wallet but think about it like this when you're giving imagine that dollar or that check or that donation this is putting water upon fire subhanallah and the prayer of a person in the darkness of the night then he recited this verse and their sides remain separate from the beds. This is the quality of the Ahlullah. This is the quality of the Salihin. That their sides remain distant from their beds. Yeah, their sides are not distant from their beds on their laptops or you know on TikTok or looking at their phone. Their sides are lifted from the beds doing what? Calling upon their Lord in fear and in hope. No soul knows what is hidden and what is concealed of the great enjoyments of paradise for them. <coughs> And then the Prophet says, and it's okay, so what about waking up in the night? Waking up in the night is an amazing gateway. There is something that happens to a person, and there's a transformation that takes place when you wake up three in the morning. Yeah. The first transformation is you are alone with your Lord. It's just you and your Lord. Do you know that Allah Azza wa Jal? As mentioned in the hadith of Bukhari, Allah Rabbul Izzah comes down to the lowest heaven. Do you know that at that time you are in a private session and a private conversation with Allah Rabbul Izzah? And this is, the, this is the gateway to all good because it is only when we are alone with ourselves and with our Lord that true change can take place. Do you know what's the biggest problem? We're in front of him, and we're, I'm in front of you. You're in front of me. You know, I can cry, and I can act, and I can do all these types of things in front of you, but I'm not my real self. I am my real self when I am alone with my Lord. Innama anta khalawatuk. I read this beautiful quote. Innama anta khalawatuk. You are but the culmination of what you do in your privacy. Think about this. This is... This is this is who you are. Innama anta khalawatuk. Think about this. You are but what you do, and you are the culmination of your privacy. You want to know your real self? Go inwards. 
And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, this is a little bit more deep and it requires a little bit more time. But I'm explaining this because the Prophet mentioned three actions that are abwabul khair. They're the gateways of other, other good. So I mean, all the good comes from introspection. That is where all good comes from. Why am, I, why am I afraid of this? Why do I do this? Coming to the bottom of everything, why do I hate this person? Why do I have a grudge for this person? Why do I have a chip on my shoulder against this person? Why am I torturing this person? Why do I have a, 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 an, an ego problem? Why am I looking for satisfaction in this or in that? Why do I do this? I don't like this about myself. You can only do that when you wake up in the night and you're all alone, not in front of people. I can't do introspection when I'm sitting in front of you. I can't. It's all extrospection. It's all everything that you tell me. That's what I'm, I'm hearing. I need to hear what, what, what is from within me in my own solitude. And it's at that time, at that moment, a lot of things will manifest to you. That is why this ayah of the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says, Muhammad, it is a verse of the Quran. وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ نَسُوا اللَّهَ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنفُسَهُمْ Don't be from the ones who forgot Allah and Allah made them forget themselves. So when you stand in that night and you stand before Allah, the first thing that you get is Allah makes you remember and know your true self. Because in this ayah it says, those who forget Allah forget themselves. And those who truly recognize Allah, they start recognizing their own selves. Like, oh man, man well, I got this problem. I got this issue. I got this, you know, ego. I have this grudge. I have this hate. I have this arrogance. And just like in the darkness, then there's another thing about the beautiful of the darkness, the darkness of the night standing in prayer. Ah, gee. Another thing is, it reminds you of the darkness of the grave. The loneliness when you will be with your Lord. That is how you prepare. As Hassan Basri rahmatullahi said, prepare for the darkness of the grave with the darkness of two rakat salat in the night. How do you prepare for the darkness of the grave? For the pray two rakats in the darkness of the night. This is other than your fard prayer. Don't just I pray Isha. Salam alaikum alaikum salam. You know, gone. This is where you actually actively wake up and it's amazing. The feeling is amazing. Wallahi, just these are things, brothers and sisters, deen is experiential. Deen is not me sitting in front of here, either me or either you. I sit here and I tell you stories and mashallah, is wonderful. Salatul Rajuli fi Jawfil Layl, the prayer of a person in the middle of the night. Abwabil Khair, the gateways of good. Gateways will open for you. You have to try. Everybody will try this, inshallah. I know it's summer nights, don't kill me. But like, let's, at least one, maybe one night that we wake up early, one night we make an intention. That initial moment when you're in, in your bed, it's excruciating. As soon as you make wudu, Allahu Akbar. As soon as you make wudu, as is mentioned in the hadith, when a person wakes up, there's three knots that a person, that, that shaitan puts in a person's head to not wake, make qiyamul layl. Three knots. Because shaitan knows that if you wake up for qiyamul layl, when you remember Allah, Allah will make all of your, Allah will purify, Allah will make islahul hal. He will rectify all of your 
shortcomings and your deficiencies. Allah will do when you stand at that time. That time is a transformational time. There is a nur in that time. There is a barakah in that time. There is a power in that time. You guys know radiation? It's like if a person stays too close to like radiation because it gives off these rays, it does something to you. Tumors can grow and other types of disorders, right? By being close to radiation. So there is a good radiation. Anwarat, lights, effulgence, blessings, sakina, that descend at that time that when it comes upon you, it does opposite of a tumor. It increases your iman. It increases your hikmah. It increases your, your piety and your taqwa. عَلَيْكُمْ بِقِيَامِ اللَّيْلِ فَإِنَّهُ دَأْبُ الصَّالِحِينَ قَبْلَكُمْ وَقُرْبَةٌ لَكُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَمَكْفَرَةٌ لِلسَّيِّئَاتِ وَمَنْهَاتٌ عَنِ الْإِثْمِ It's a long one. But anyways, I don't want to go too much into the detail. The point is, is that waking up at that time, it, it, it is a tremendous uh, opening up of khair and barakah upon a person. ثُمَّ قَالَ أَلَا أُخْبِرُكَ بِرَأْسِ الْأَمْرِ وَعَمُودِهِ should I not tell you the head of this matter, the main head of this matter? And should I not tell you the pillar of it and its pinnacle? So everything has like a main part and it has a pillar and then it has a pinnacle, the dome. The most important thing, the main thing here is Islam. This, my dear brothers and sisters, our salvation, our success, and our everlasting destruction, all of it, 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 it revolves around this. Your whole life, your whole existence should be to preserve Ra'sul Amr. Ra'sul Amr, Ra'sul Mal. This is your Ra'sul Mal. This is your capital. Everything in your life is to preserve this. You know you want to preserve your capital? You want to preserve your gain? You want to invest? You want to make it go more? But more than that, you want to preserve it. Your rasmal, your capital is Islam. Understand this. The, the Islam of your children. What is the meaning of this though, really? That Islam is your rasul amr. Your, your capital. There was a person who told me, Shaykh, I moved from the East Coast. I had a job here. And the reason why I chose to be close here to this masjid because I knew that it was going to benefit my Islam and the Islam of my kids. This person has understood that is Islam is Ra'sul Amr. This is what we mean by Ra'sul Amr. This is the main thing of my life. And the decisions that I make is going to be based upon this because I have considered Islam my Ra'sul Amr. You guys understand Ra'sul Amr? Yani my main objective. So when you make something your main objective, all of your decisions in life will be based upon that. Where I'm going to work, what I'm going to do, what my career is going to be, you know? Yeah, you know, Sheikh, I want to open up a smoke shop, I want to open up a liquor shop. Well, wow, you know, you got to keep your Rasul Amr in mind. This is going to destroy your Islam. What are you doing? Your, your, your existence is providing people alcohol. Wow. Do you, do you, is that what your objective is? Is that what you want? Is that how you want to live? Is that how you want to, uh, how you want to earn? Is that w w the money that you want to send your family to Hajj with? 
one of my, one of my you know, a person that I keep close contact. We don't cut off from nobody. We don't look down upon nobody. A person who was close to me, he had a, you know, this business, you know, he was in the business. So one, one, time, one time he said, and I'm sending the family for Hajj. So I said, I hope it's not from your, that earnings. You know, maybe it's for your, you know, the, 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 the Uber driving that you do in the part-time, right? He just looked at me like this. I said, it's from your part-time Uber driving, right? That you're going to send your family for Hajj, not from your work that you do at the store. He said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I got that note. I got the note. I, I'll, 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 I'll think about that. Well taken. Thank you. Ra'asul Amr. Every, when, when something becomes your Ra'asul Amr, all the decisions of your life revolve around that. That this is my main matter. Where I send my kids, how I raise them, what are the values that I instill in them. If that's not your Ra'asul Amr, you don't care. And many, many kids now, they've become murtad, they've left Islam, because as we're raising them, that's not our Ra'asul Amr. The decisions that we make, the values that we have, the purpose that we have, the objectives that we have is not based on that. So then the kids grow up and they're like, if my dad doesn't consider Rasul Amr, why should I? I don't care. Some dads, Muslim dads, you got a girlfriend yet? You got a girlfriend yet? Okay, that's your Rasul Amr. You want, you want your son to become macho? Yeah, then he's going he's gonna to bring a lot of girlfriends. Maybe he might even get a job in the girlfriend industry, if you know what I mean. Then you'll probably be really proud. I, have to, I say it how it is, guys. Seriously. I say it how I hear it. So nobody get mad at me. You know, the sisters are there sometimes as well. They have to hear this, you know, bakwas from me. But my, my point is I have to say it how it is. When that becomes your Rasul Amr, then all the decisions that you make and what you, what you uh, provoke and what you, you know, convey and what you give. So this is our Rasul Amr, Islam should be our main objective. وَعَمُودِهِ And what is the amud? وَعَمُودُهُ الصَّلَاةِ And the pillar of this Islam is prayer. What did I just say? As long as you hold on to the prayer, inshallah you'll be okay. As long as you hold on to that prayer, you will not inshallah lose your deen. You will have a link because this is your sila. The Prophet said this is the pillar. وَذِرْوَةُ سَنَامِهِ الْجِهَادِ And the pinnacle of it is al-jihad. Why? It's because let's say you got salat, you got your Islam, you got your deen. Nobody can take you for a ride. Nobody can humiliate you. Because when a person sees that they're going to humiliate you, and you stand up for your rights and you struggle to, to, to preserve your rights, this is the meaning of وَذِرْوَةُ سَنَامِهِ الْجِهَادِ That I've established the prayer. I have my, you know, my Islamic way of life, but I will not let anybody else challenge me in that. This is what I believe in, and I will struggle with all my might to hold that. This is the pinnacle of my religion. This is the pinnacle of my faith, that I will continue to struggle to preserve this, to preserve it in my family because it's not an easy job. That Islam, keeping that, your Rasul Amr, keeping your Salat is not an easy job. You have to have jihad. You have to have that struggle. You have to be ready to be patient. You have to be ready to go through struggles. You have to be ready to even sometimes fight for your right. You got to sometimes fight for your right. When people say, hey, we're going to take your right away from you to pray. I said, no, this is my right. And I'm going to you know, stand up for my rights. This is the meaning of it. You have to be ready for that struggle. And this is the pinnacle of the matter. Otherwise, you will be humiliated. You'll be like playing tennis with your religion. One minute you're there and one minute you're there and you're, you're a play toy for people and for things. No, this is what my thing is. I'm proud of it and nobody can, nobody can t 
touch that. ثُمَّ قَالَ أَلَا أُخْبِرُكَ بِمِلَاكِ ذَلِكَ كُلِّهِ Should I not tell you what is the, the crux of all of this, the essence of all of this? Should I not tell you what is the essence of all of this? قُلْتُ بَلَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ What is the essence of all of this? He said, فَأَخَذَ بِلِسَانِهِ He grabbed his tongue. وَقَالَ كُفَّ عَلَيْكَ هَذَا Hold on to this. Beware of this. Guard this. قُلْتُ يَا نَبِيَ اللَّهِ وَإِنَّا لَمُؤَاخَذُونَ بِمَا نَتَكَلَّبُ بِهِ Will we be taken into account for that which we say? Allah is going to take us into account for the words that we say. فَقَالْ ثَكِلَتْكَ أُمُّكَ May your mother cry upon you. Yani it's a word of like, of course. You, may, your, may, may your mother cry upon you. Yani how could you even say that? Of course. And for what other reason are people falling into the depths of hellfire except because of the harvest of their tongues? Meaning that one of the main reasons why people are falling into hellfire is because of their tongue. If people utter kufr, it's because of their tongue. If people divorce their wife, with one minute you say nakahtuha, she's married, you say talaktuha, she's <laughs> divorced. With one word, you just changed your life. You made somebody who was, became halal, and then you made the same person become ha- haram. Just be one, one, one word. Nakahtuha, talaktuha. With one word, word you say ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, and then another word, na'udhu billah, somebody says akfuru billah. So this, these, this tongue, is the essence of all of it. If you're able to, the discipline and the extent of your discipline should be this. Never say anything hurtful to somebody. Never put down somebody. Never say anything is negative. And the easy way to guard this tongue, listen, weigh it before you say it. Weigh it. Pehle tolo, pir bolo. There's for the Urdu walas. This is one for you. Pehle tolo, pir bolo. First weigh it, and you can say it in, in, in English as well. First weigh it, then say it. Weigh, what am I about to say? Is there benefit in it? If there's benefit, say it. If there's harm in it, then stay away from it. And this is the way that you will stay away from the harm of the tongue. And if you can stay from the harm of the tongue, you've attained the essence of all self-restraint. May Allah give us the tawfiq to understand what has been said.